Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, BLT. BLT is the starting point. And I'm going to do a little bit of um, of taking some liberties in this reflection, at least at the start of it. And I'm going to do a little bit of a thought experiment, maybe, maybe. A little theorizing, a little bit of playing around um, with an idea. I don't want to call it a theory yet. I want to, and I don't even know if it's as sophisticated as an experiment. I'm just going to play with an idea. And I'm going to spin that off of uh, what would be considered blended learning theory. Blended learning theory, I'll explain what that means Maybe on the other side of the disclaimers. Um, but that is a learning theory, obviously. Um, but that's not what I mean when I say BLT. So it's not BLT as in blended learning theory. It is BLT as in blended living theory. Or blended lifestyle theory. I don't know what that... I know I want that second word to be an L just because BLT just kind of, it's catchy. <laughs> it's catchy. Um, blended lifestyle theory. That might be a better fit. Anyway, whether it's going to be blended living theory or blended lifestyle theory, you get the point, okay? That's my starting point. I'm going to play off of what's called blended learning theory. I'll explain that on the other side of the disclaimers. And um, we're going to play with it. And we're going to take that idea of the blended nature and look at what it means to live with two truths. I'm contending with two truths. And I need to... um, I've been vacillating between one or the other. And uh, I want to consider what it would mean to embrace both of them in a blended way. Anyway, (laughs) that's where I'm starting, okay? If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs. Let's do that again. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8, which is why I had to say the Myers-Briggs first and the Enneagram second. Although in the repositioning episode that I just did a few days ago, or two days ago, this idea that I'm going to take that eight and center it more, I've been really chewing on that. Like I've, that, I've been thinking about it. And there is an argument to make to start identifying as an 8 INTJ. There is an argument, and I I wonder if that's going to come up in this blended conversation. But anyway, just because I've started saying INTJ 8, I want to be consistent with that, but there is a repositioning of that 8, you guys. All right. In addition to being, in addition to identifying as an INTJ8, I also identify as an African American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. 
I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years, a little bit under that. Uh, half of that time has been in leadership. This project is unedited and is un, yep, and it's unscripted. I just skipped the intellectual sensitivity to power. Um, so you'll hear me talking about race, class, gender, sexuality. But this project is unedited and is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidam.wordpress.com. So there's a lot to do with just to that under five minutes. So today is the last day of 2022. And um, as is customary, I like to spend the day in deep reflection and just really understanding what the year was has been for me and to really think critically about what I want the next year to be. And part of that is looking at, did I do what I say I wanted to do? What did I do this year? So this is just what I do. It's what I've been doing. Um, I mean, I can go back 20 years. I wonder if I've been doing this longer than 20 years, but it's just what I do. And when my life evolved beyond checklists, like there were some hard things I wanted to accomplish in my life. And those were checklistable. Then I started, though, my New Year's resolutions started to become more um, I don't know why the word ethereal is coming. Anyway, why am I saying words when I don't know what they mean? I want to say qualitative. My goals have become more qualitative or holistic, which means you can't necessarily check them off. They're not as measurable. I used to set measurable New Year's resolutions. By the end of the year, I want to have this amount of money in the bank. By the end of the year, I would have liked to move. By the end of you get what I'm saying? Like you could check it off. It is done. But I started uh, doing New Year's resolutions like I want to be more authentic. I want to be responsible. <laughs> That's not measurable. Those aren't really measurable. It's hard to check them off at the end of the year. And although I pursued them and although I really believe I made progress each year, I found myself at the end of the year saying I want more. There's more authenticity. There's more responsiveness. And so this year I have to decide, am I going to do what kind of New Year's resolution am I going to do? And I'm feeling this desire to go back to something measurable. But I have to make sure what I'm wrestling with is I have to make sure it is meaningful and not just measurable for the sake of having a measurable goal. Not for the sake of just achieving something. It's got to be meaningful. It's got to really advance my mission in the world, what I want to do in the world. Why I believe I'm here. Why do I exist? Quite existential here. <laughs> so that's that's the kind of mood I'm in this morning. It's about 9.30 and I have three reflections I got to give you all because I just, I think I told you this the other day. It's, um, I have really enjoyed uh, evolving in this project where I start off with a very clear thought or a theme 
And that's different than how I started this project. When I started this project, I just hit the record button and you got what you got. And so I haven't, I have a lot of thinking that's, that's been going on. I just haven't felt the desire to hit the record button and record it. Um, because I'm trying to figure some stuff out. And I like to hit the record button when I have it figured out or I have clearly, uh, the problem defined and really, I'm kind of still lingering in some really important reflections that I've done over the past few uh, weeks. The um, passion, desire, and motivation one holds true. I'm still thinking about the story in which the, the um, I want to make sure I protect the theme of me as an executive, which is going to come up in today's reflection. That repositioning the eight is all over me. I'm still thinking about that. And all of the pieces, pieces that I want as I move into the second half of life. Or excuse me, I'm already in the second half of life. I've already moved into it. But as I lock it in, you know, having my playbook, having that vision of the story, um, which I'm going to write next week. I have been spending this first week of my vacation. I'm on a two-week vacation. And I think it's safe to say that I've spent this first week really just thinking about what is it that is important and what it is that I see. What is... mm, What it is that I can actually do. Um, and what it is that I have want to give the energy to doing. So I've been just thinking about those questions and all of those questions, those are four questions and I didn't give them to you in the right order, but they were all assigned to each of my cognitive functions. They all came from my cognitive functions. So, um, let me just get, let me, um, I don't know where just, where I was at, but I've been, um, the last five minutes, I, I got my disclaimers done in five minutes and I don't know what the additional five minutes I was doing, but just to tell you that I have three episodes to do today and I have, I definitely need to, I didn't get those edits done on the book. That's because I'm on vacation and I'm also having a, trying to Spend time with family and trying to enjoy the city I'm in. So today I, I have to buckle down. I have three episodes. I've got to get those edits, those pronoun edits done. Damn it. And I want to have a very clear mission statement written. Or aims an AGO statement. I think that's what I'm going to do. I want to have very clear. I want to have a very clear AGO statement before the clock start, strikes midnight. And an AGO statement stands for A aims, goals, and objectives, or it's one aim, goals, and objectives, which is going to be kind of kind uh, inverted because I have to write that story. It would have been nice to get that story written and then do the AGOs. But I'm going to have them drafted. And then if I have to modify them after I write the story next week, I'll give myself permission. But we will have a solid draft 
of an AGO when we roll into the new year tonight. So that's what's on my plate to do today. Get these episodes done for you. Get those damn pronoun edits done. <laughs> and write my AGOs for 2023. That's what I'm going to do today. The last day of the year. Thank you very much. All right. So blended learning. <clears throat> so blended learning theory, blended lifestyle theory. Let me just tell you what blending learning theory is in education. Um, educators teach or teachers teach uh, through different modalities or different methods. Uh, direct instruction, project-based learning, service learning, um, Montessori-style instruction. Could all be considered modes of learning or instruction. Um, there's another one that's about the environment. I can't think of that one, but I usually put that in the put that in the in the project based learning bucket, or even the service learning bucket. But it doesn't matter. You guys get the gist. Then, um, which is the style I use, there's this thing called blended learning theory, where you take multiple methods and you bring them together for the sake of teaching a child. And really, that's what that's what instruction is anyway. But those of us who have locked, linked up to a particular methodology, you know, we have to come back and say, wait a minute, this is a really good approach, but there are some students where this approach doesn't work. Or we say, this approach needs to be reinforced by another approach. So we start bringing in a couple of different approaches. That's what my school was. The school I designed and had multiple modalities and they were all aligned for it's for learning. And so if there was a particular standard, that child was going to engage with that standard at least two ways. It was really theoretically three ways, but there was a just some logistics that we had to work through to get that third method to the place where we needed it to be in order to connect it to that particular standard. So anyway, I'll get into that. But it's all those different methods are aligned for one standard. That's when it really works. So that child is going to engage with that learning standard in three different ways. Okay. You guys get the gist, don't you? (laughs) So I like this idea um, because I have been really contending with the T E and the F I. T E uh, extroverted thinking and F I introverted feeling. And for me, um, I have to do some reconciling, reconciling, some some reconciling. So let me explain a little bit more. When I did the episode on repositioning the eight, forget that. When I did the episode on the executive, that's when I think it started. There's something about in the last week or so. Yeah, I guess it's in the last week. And I've been really confronting a part of me that I don't really spend time thinking about. And I'm feeling challenged to think about it which is really, really weird. 
so let me think through this because I don't have I'm not selling any of this to you I'm trying to figure this something out for myself so please forgive me if I contradict myself please forgive me if I'm making no sense because I'm trying to work out something in my head okay out loud in front of an audience um so I'm an INTJ um that means I'm an auxiliary thinker thinking is second for me and it's extroverted. And I think when I first got into Myers-Briggs, I was one of those people that felt I was an IE NTJ, an IE split NTJ. Because there was a lot about me that looked very ENTJ-ish. I was functioning as an ENTJ in my work. And it makes sense. Um, but the test, when I was formally tested, I would, I got tested as an I. But I was reading, I was like, no, I'm really an ENTJ. Just look at me. Because that's how I showed up at work. And um, I've invested a lot of time and energy into knowing my work and being able to move about in it. And that's what happens. I, this is what I've told myself. I don't have to be as contemplative in my work as I would be in my life. Because as, as an INTJ, I'm going to process, I'm going to process the world. I'm going to take it in, make some decisions accordingly, but I have to observe it first to observe it and understand it first. Before I act in it, I have to understand the world first and then I act on it second. But in my work, it doesn't look like I'm pausing to understand it. I'm acting pretty unapologetically. And I'm thinking about multiple different, multiple workspaces. It looks very, I, it looks like I'm just acting. And so how I've reconciled that is by saying, I don't have to understand it. I know the work. I'm sitting on three degrees. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm sitting on two, which were double degrees. I was talking to a young lady last night. Her mom was just bragging on her. And and (laughs) let me tell you guys this. Let me just go off. Let me just tell you something right quick. So I went out last night and, and, um, I think I told you guys I'd gone out before by myself, and I, I I put this in a chat room somewhere. I like crowd. I like crowded alone time. I love to be alone in a crowded space. This is something we should unpack at some point because that's a real. When I wrote it the other day, I was like, "That's a really good description of me." I like to be in a crowded room of being alone. <laughs> it's just, and I I I was raised in a in you know my. My mom was a single mom, so I spent a lot of time with, with my grandmother, and um, and her house was just forever busy, and I like that, and and I miss. I think this is why I like going to coffee shops and bars by myself because I get to be in that. There's a lot of busyness. There's there are people I can hear in the noise, and I'm alone, and I can be in my head. It's crazy, but I think just because. I, that's that's what it was like for me coming up. Anyway, 
So I went back out last night. The night before, I went out with my sister and my mom. And then last night, my sister was going somewhere close to downtown, the place I wanted to go to. I'm like, can you drop me off? I'm not trying to hang out with you. Um, and, and then she said, yeah. I said, and then you can pick me up? And she said, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that was great. So I went back and uh, listened to some more live music, did a little singing last I did did a little singing last night and the night before. Had a good time. Uh, it's not it's not feeling the same for me as it did when I started doing karaoke ten years ago. And I think because I like a challenge. And when I first started doing karaoke, it was a big deal because I was petrified. It was like, oh my gosh! And I couldn't. And then I had to learn the songs, and then I had to learn to perform them. And uh, so the challenge isn't there anymore because I've kind of mastered that, and I need a new challenge. So anyway, went back last night. There was a lady there with her daughter. First of all, there was a uh, uh, <laughs> an ATM machine that I it wasn't giving giving me my money. I was like, "Hey," and I was requesting eighty dollars out of the ATM machine, and I said, "Hey, can you?" I tapped this lady. I said, "Can you come stand here because I need a witness that there's no money coming out of this machine, so that I can will not go and tell the establishment." It didn't give me my eighty dollars, and if you know, and then I don't want my bank saying it, it came out of my account and I never got the money anyway. So I tapped the lady, and she came over with her daughter, and her daughter was like, um, "I think you need to take your card out the machine because I still had the card in there." And as soon as I took the card out, the money was dispensed. So I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And so the mom was like. Oh, she's so smart. <laughs> and I was out. So, you know, I was out being an adult. You get what I'm saying? So, <laughs> it didn't click to me to take the damn card out the machine. But anyway, so the mom starts going on about how smart her daughter was. And I was like, that's great, you know. And then, and I genuinely felt that. And then her mom was like, She's got a master's, and both of her degrees were dual degrees. I was like, okay. There was a part of me that was feeling, that part started feeling a little competitive for me, because I was like, my two, my bachelor's and master's, I have a a dual degree. But anyway, I bring this, so anyway, there was that. But she kept talking for her daughter, and one of the things that was fascinating, when her daughter was in law school, so you guys know I used to want to be an attorney. I wanted to go to law school, so I was really excited. What year are you in? And I asked her what was her uh, bachelor's and her ma- they I can't remember, but it was in political science and biology. And I was like, that's an interesting blend, political science and biology. And so then I said, are you interested in, in environmental justice? environmental justice and she said something like that because I could not think of what would be the reason to have those two major those two disciplines together but yeah so I'm trying to get to know the daughter and the mom keeps talking every time I asked the daughter a question the mom kept talking for her and then she was like I'm so proud and I said yeah you are proud and I said but you're taking her voice and she looked 
I said, yo, you're taking her voice. I said, every time I ask her a question, you're answering for her. She has her own agency. She should have her own agency. And I know what it's like with those moms and their daughters. They feel tethered to them. A lot of times, if you're a mom listening to me and you disagree, that's fine. But from my readings, and maybe because, you know, I'm from intergenerational trauma. So I'm, I, I, this is something I look into and study for my own well-being. A lot of times, um, unhealthy moms have a hard time seeing their daughters, particularly their, their firstborn, as their own entity. It's like they're still one. They're still connected as one. And then you, if, if, I mean, it was so obvious with this lady. So, yeah, I told her that she was um, taking her daughter's voice and that she had to be careful that she wasn't going to interrupt her, having her own agency and all that. <laughs> the lady, like, jumped back. So this morning I was thinking, you know, people say I'm direct. I don't see it. I don't see myself as direct, but I guess I'm laughing because last night that could be considered fairly direct. I told this lady that she was taking her daughter's voice. Anyway, so that's a rabbit hole. I'm coming back. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I don't even know where I left off. Um, so extroverted thinking. I'm going to just jump in here somewhere because I do not know where I just left off. Where I fell into that rabbit hole. Oh, I think I was talking about feeling very comfortable in my world of work. I don't have to be as contemplative. I don't have to be observe as much because I've already done that. I've already studied it um, in the degrees. And that's where, that's where I fell in because I was telling you I had my bachelor's and my master's were dual degrees. So that means there were two programs that I wanted to get a degree in. So I pushed them together, both my bachelor's and my master's. And so when I went to get my PhD, my PhD, it was kind of like a blended, it was blended. I, it was, uh, I created my own program because I wanted to bring in two disciplines, but I don't, but those, that wasn't a dual degree program. It was a, a blended one, if you will. Um, it was a, a, cre- I, it wasn't a hybrid. What would you call it? It was, oh, here it is, interdisciplinary. So I created a discipline by merging two disciplines together, the social sciences and the, ed- and the education. But those other two degrees were two separate programs. Anyway, so I feel very confident about my world of work um, and knowing it and feeling very confident acting in it. Very, very comfortable, very confident very unapologetic. It is um it is probably the one area if you saw me, I would say that's the one area I can be kinda like a beast in. Like I know my shit and I'm very committed to doing it. Okay. Now in that environment I see the T E. And I'm not I don't struggle with it. I don't struggle with it unless we have an issue of power, right? You guys have heard me wrestle with that. That I don't have the power to exert the thing that I want to exert. And so now I have to strategize. And even then, it's not the problem of strategizing. Um, I, but I think, yeah, I just think that um, contending with the power dynamics is is uh, probably a newer element for me. 
um, that I have been wrestling with. And so there, there's where you see a little bit of that. Um, I don't even want to say a loss of confidence, but it's something. There's definite dissonance that I'm experiencing when it comes to that power component. And, and I really think this is, I really think this is uh, important for me to flesh out because I said to myself this morning as I, you know, mentally prepare to go back to work and mentally I'm trying to put work in its proper place in my life. Um, I, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good place to do that where I'm spending time thinking about my whole life and work is just a part of it. My dad, my late father, used to say, I still can't believe he's gone. I told my, my sister, I said, I don't really feel like, I don't feel like he's gone. And she said, you just feel like he has, he's not talking to you? I said, kind of like that. Doesn't really feel like he's gone. So anyway, that's something separate. But my late father would say, you live, you work so you can live. You don't live to work and he would challenge me because I was just all work and he was right you work to live you do not live to work and I think um, I don't know why that was relevant to say that but I think in these jobs I've always in I've always enjoyed my work but my relationship to power has shifted in the work um, since when I started my career and I think that shift in power is something that I'm still, is what I'm contending with. But I'm not trying to understand it. I don't think I'm trying to understand it. I think I'm, I'm trying to strategize it. I'm trying to work within it. And it's not something that I am, uh, it is not something that I value to work within it the way other people would dictate for me to work in the power. So when I started my career, I was power under in, in a dual sense. Not only was I in a power under space because of the body I was born in and the, the, the life I was born into, socioeconomically speaking, but I was in a power under position in the hierarchy in that in my industry. As a teacher, I was at the you know teachers are pretty much at the bottom of the hierarchy. <laughs> um, but as I moved and advanced in my career, my relationship to the hierarchy changed. And so, and what happened was I actually went from the bottom to the top when I started my own school. And I had to learn that. I had to learn my relationship to power then and be okay with it. And then I tried to leave that all together. I was reading uh, before I hit the record button this morning. I was just reading. Uh, I wonder did I share that article on Twitter. But just reading about INTJs and, and entrepreneurship. And I just, I just was wondering if other people saw... When I, I could, I see complications with entrepreneurship for me. Not, not in the problem solving, not in the skill set, not in the commitment, not in the discipline part. 
But my extroverted thinking needs an external environment to work with. And it doesn't, and working with is open for discussion because it's not just working with them in this one way. But I would say that if I'm working in a silo, then I start functioning as an introverted thinker. And my thinking function is activated, it is stimulated when it's in context to an outer world. And so I was just curious see what other INTJs who are entrepreneurs, how they contend with that component. And I think for me, that's exasperated by being a type eight. My uh, social emotional orientation as an eight exasperates that uh, extroverted thinking. But so after I was the, the, the executive, the CEO, if you will, I wasn't, that wasn't my title, but that was the, level of power I had. Then I left and was working independently and kind of functioning like an INTP, if you will. Um, and that wasn't the best me. And so I, I came back into the system in my, uh, and I saw a part of me naturally come to life. And I just, I saw, I just saw something very, automated within me, very instinctual, that's the word, very instinctual, that was not being satisfied when I was in the world as this independent actor or agent. So there is something about being in the workspace in my industry that I like, I really do. But now that I'm back, I'm not at the top of the power hierarchy, but I'm not at the bottom either. And just really trying to learn that, especially having occupied both of those two poles. This is really good, you guys. I didn't even plan to say this, but this is this is very helpful because I was just thinking one of the things as I try to position work in a meaningful way, like my dad say, I am working to live. I am not living to work, which means I have to properly position that job. I I was thinking this morning, what sends me into a spiral? And I talked about the swim and this blob metaphor maybe five, six episodes ago. But, uh, and I think that that's all relevant, but it's like, I'm surrounded by uh, an experience that I just don't want to have. And it's really, it's really surrounded by irrational I think it's what it's that I'm swimming in a sea of an irrational um, encounters, expectations, ways of working, ways of being that I just don't like. I don't like it. I don't value it. And I am not my best self in that type of structure. And then it sends me into a spiral. So one of the, I was thinking this morning, I need to better prepare for that. That is, I'm not, you know, there's no mind over matter that for that. Because it's going, I'm deeply wired for order. I'm a rational being and I like order. And I love, and I need, I absolutely need effectiveness. And I'm never going to mind over matter an environment that's chaotic. Because I'm wired for order. 
and I'm wired for effectiveness. That is the mind. So I'm just trying to think about how do I make space for that type of frustration and irritation? What do I do? Because I got to have a plan for that. That's the only thing that takes that job and extends it well into my personal life. Because I've, I've learned how to balance the work, the actual work. This doesn't mean that I don't take work home. Uh, but I have a very structured way that I do that. I feel really good about my, my, the amount of work I give that job. The thing I haven't dominated uh, yet is the emotional energy it takes from me. Because it is chaotic. It is unorganized. It is uh, contradictory in terms of what it says. And and I am not in a power over or power under space. So if I was in a power under space, I would position myself and in, in confront power one way. If I was power over, I'd manage that power a different way. But I'm not. And what makes my job complicated is that I have a, a boss who... I'm sighing because I'm coming to terms with this. I've only been working with them five months. And I think this is pretty good. I've, I've figured it out in five months. I think I have it. I think. I, I'm just not ready to lock it in. I still want to... I just want to collect a little more data, but... Uh, she is... She controls. She hoards power. I don't know if she hoards power, but... She, she's not gonna, she, she controls power. I'll put it that way. And I actually don't think that's all bad. I don't. I think the challenge for me is that while she's controlling that power, she's trying to access me in ways that I control power. There it is. Ooh, that's so good. So in her mind, she's just accessing me and, and, and and so it looks like she's given me power to do the thing that I associate with power. But it doesn't, it keeps, it, it, it gives, uh, how do I say it? It accesses my power under her power. And then that's not power for me. Either our power is going to be on the same plane and we're going to really share it. But she's probably, okay, this is what she's good at. She's good at empowering people. That's beautiful. I'm glad I worked this out. She's good at empowering people. I would absolutely say that. But as the person that empowers others, her power is not interrupted. Unless she chooses it. But that's still about power. And as a person who's had that power, you can't empower me. Partially. Like, if you're going to empower me, you're going to empower me to my rightful level of power. Otherwise, you're not empowering me. Otherwise, you're exploiting me. That's really what's happening. So, anyway, I want to spend some more time with thinking of that. Because I've, I've uh, several people, uh, since I've returned to this work, place of work in working in the system, they've I've felt exploited because they want something that I have that I associate with my power. So they want it, but I don't, they want the thing that I have. And then 
it doesn't give me access to more power. Me sharing that thing doesn't give me access to more power. And I told this one guy, I said, it feels like rape. He said, I, I, I'm offended. You shouldn't play with that. No, I'm not playing. That's what it feels like when you take that thing from me, that thing that you want, but then my power is not shifted. That's what it feels like. You're taking something from me. So anyway, but just the way I've talked. So I've, I've experienced this feeling before. Anyway, <clears throat> anyway. So that's what I'm wrestling with in the job. Like, uh, that's the thing that I haven't yet conquered in terms of how to move about with the power that I have. With a skill set. There it is. Oh my God, this is so good. With a skill set that exceeds that power. I have a skill set that exceeds the power that I'm given in that in, in that job. And I'm okay with that. I want to be okay with it. I keep, the last couple of days I'm like, are you really okay with that? Or should you be okay with it? And here's why. This is why. Because I, there are other things I want to do in my life. And I don't want the job to take all of my skills and time to do it that I want to be able to do other things with. So that means I have to be okay when I have all the power. Which means I gotta be, which is, which means I have to have a plan for when there is ineffectiveness, inefficiency, there's chaos. I've gotta be okay with that because what's happening is that while it's not using all of my skills, but, but enough of it, right? We, it's sitting me in an emotional space. It's like, ah, this isn't craziness. This needs to be better. And then what I do is, you know, I've been doing a lot of work. So anyway, my goal, when I return to work, is to find. I've, I've already. I have a lane. It's a lane that will add value to the organization. It's a lane that makes me feel good about the work that I do. But to stay in that lane, that is my goal. It is not to be help to help somebody else in their lane because that's what I've been doing. I've been helping my co-directors in their lane. That's not my job to do that, unless it is. I told my boss, I said, we can make this my job. And so we're going to have that conversation, but uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with staying in my lane, but as long as I can stay in my lane <laughs> and nobody and nobody else comes in my lane, I'll be okay. So anyway, we'll come back to that, but that's what I, that's what I'm processing. And so that that does require a little bit of uh, contemplation. I said all of that to just talk about. It is, it does require me to be contemplative. But, um, but for the most part, I said all of that to say, I know the work. Other than this power stuff here, I know the work. And so I'm pretty TE functioning. You could very, you very much see it on me. Not timid, not apologetic. So, why was that relevant to give all of that? Well, I'm not that in my personal life, but I'm but I'm trying to figure out what am I. 
And this is where I am. This is where I've been spending a lot of time over the last 24 to 36 hours. What am I doing in my personal life when it comes to those cognitive functions? Because I've been thinking about reap the, the executive and this repositioning the eight. And when I did that episode of repositioning the eight, it took me back in time where my eight wasn't, oh, that's not true. I think, as, I, as I'm talking this through, I think it's the TE part of me. And I'm conflating it with the 8 part of me. Huh. That's interesting. It's the TE. And the TE has just been really struggling in the world for me, outside of work. And because it is not my dominant function, on the surface, it can look like I'm not struggling with it. Because it's not dominant. You shouldn't see it leading like that. But I think the eight part of me requires more from my TE. The eight part of me wants more, wants more action from the TE. Now just, just bear with me, you guys. I think if I were an INTJ five, I wouldn't be struggling. I don't want to open that up because I need um, this. I need to start getting. Need to get to my point so I can close. And if I open up another rabbit hole, you just have to trust me on this one. The INTJ five is comfortable being okay. Okay, this might be it. And if you're an INTJ5 and, and this is off, please do find a way to um, correct me. Share your thoughts. Um, you're nidown.wordpress.com because I do want to hear this. But from my perspective, that INTJ5 is very okay with being set apart from the world to being, yeah, to being, being a part of the, from the world. And to go off into your head. And just live in INT utopia. <laughs> INTJ utopia. <clears throat> That's not how it is for me as an INTJ. I, I apply my INTJ-ness to the world. To, yeah. And so some INTJs We'll do uh, research, some INTJs. I was just reading an article this morning. I can't even think of an example. It was, it was a really good breakdown of how different INTJs move into different occupation, occupations for different reasons. But for me, 
I have no desire to be set apart from the world. And that's not true. I don't have a desire to be... Um, let me say it differently. I feel like... Here it is. I feel like I'm set apart from the world more than I, I desire. And this is difficult because I do need to be set apart from the world. I am independent. I can't be around things that just don't make sense. But I have a desire to have a social connection. I just want that social connection to be rational. I want it to make sense. And that feels like I'm asking for something that's a contradiction. Because people are not robots. And I have to have an appetite to deal with them in their irrational nature. And I don't want to. But I want to be around the people. I just don't want to deal with anything that doesn't make sense. So that's the that's my conundrum. I mean, that's part of it, I think. And it would just be better than if I just if I didn't have the appetite for the social, but I do. I just don't have a lot. I don't have a huge appetite. And so I've been thinking about just do the social and then TE, be more TE. Just do more TE. What is it going to, why is that a hard thing for you to wrap your mind around? This is what I'm saying to myself. Get the social at the level you want. Instead of retracting and retreating, because that's kind of what fives do. You know, that's that's one way to, to approach the social world. You could retreat from it. Or you can go in there and ate it up. Ate it up as in eight, as in the number eight. And so I don't. And here's the question. Do I not ate it up because I'm not an eight? That's one thing that needs to be, you know, I put on the table. And if that if that's true, then I would say, okay, because I've looked at being an INTJ five. If I'm an INT, if I'm a five, I'm a social five. Because the self-preservation five does not speak to me, and the sexual five does not speak to me. The social five does speak to me. I think that's more likely than being a one. But even if I were going to be a one, it would be a social one. The other two don't fit. The eight is the only number where all three of those instincts make sense to me, even if I do them in a particular order. That self-preservation five or the self-preservation one, uh, uh, I don't think so. So I think, I really do think eight is my number. So then I say, well, that's just because you're an introverted eight. That's true. I was reading about introverted eights and how they how they look different from extroverted eights. And it definitely should be factored in that I'm an INTJ eight. So not only am I introverted, I'm rational, analytical. <clears throat> and so that's gonna make a difference. But either way, I'm still an eight. And I think one of the things that's uh, a challenge for me is my TE. Which is, which is crazy because my TE doesn't have a problem at work. 
But see, work follows sets of rules, right? There are work rules, there are standards. That makes sense. So I'm interacting with people under the umbrella of these expectations, these guidelines that I function well with. But in the rest of the world, they don't, we don't have that. But can I? Can I? As I think about putting these pieces in my life together and integration and envisioning and right, all of that. Is there a way for me to build a life outside of work that's more rational and then do social inside of that? Is there a way for me to build a rational social life? Because my house, like when I live on my own, that's all orderly. I love it. But I would say it's the social piece. The community piece is the part that's missing for me. When I think about envisioning and moving forward and what do I have to do, I even feel like I can solve the dating situation more than I can solve the uh, other parts of the social existence. And trust me, I've been thinking more and more about that. Like, do I? Do you really want to date? Like, let's just really unpack that. I don't even know if I do. I'm going to be really honest with y'all. I talked about reading an article or listening to a TED Talk where this lady was like, you're single because you want to be. That's the life you really want. And I don't like that. Like, I don't know if I want to be single. But when I think about, <laughs> I told you I have some PTSD. Like, when I think about what do you have to do to be in a relationship? I'm just like, oh my God. But I refuse to say I want to be single. I just don't. Isn't there another option? Instead of saying I want to be single, I just don't want to lose myself. That's what I, I don't want to. I don't want to merge with another person. I want to retain my individuality. Thank you. So I want to be independent. And if I get into a situation that allows for me to be independent, at best we can be interdependent, fine. Otherwise, please keep moving. <laughs> Do not stop here. Thank you very much. But anyway, but even in all of that, that feels doable, more doable than going out building and, and engaging with friends and, and the community and family and and that's, that's something I'm desiring. And it sucks because I'm never going to get that with my family. And then I'll say, I'll say this, and I guess I'll start closing. I think this is really at the heart of this reflection for me. You know, they say um, your family of birth and your family of choice. Um... I don't know if I'll be able to build a family of choice. I don't know. Like that's, if I could figure that part out, that'd be great. Cause it feels like most people who can build their, build a new family, they have FE or FI. I watch my sister, how she's built this world for herself. It is beautiful. I'm so happy for her. Maybe she's gone through a divorce and she's got 
this really fairly well-balanced social world. And I'm like, it's, wow, it's not my life. It's not what I would want to do. I could, like last night when she was going with her friends, I didn't even ask to go because I was like, I had gone with her a friend for the night before. And that was a lot of work. So take me to a crowded bar and let me be alone in a crowded space. And I'm happy there. <laughs> oh my gosh. As people find me here from my real life, they're going to be like, now we understand. It's all making sense now. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't have that feeling function. And if that's what you need to build family, damn. I don't, I have no idea. So, that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm wrestling with. I don't have to build that community when I go to work. It's not expected for me to do it, but I build connections all the same. But there's something else that pulls us together. I had, there's a structure that pulls us together in my personal life. In the personal life, it's the feeling, the structure. What pulls people together? Is it the feeling? I might have to go get me a, um, an INTJ coach because this is a valid, valid question. What pulls people together if it's not feeling? Because I've tried to do that. I think that's, this is, and this is going to take me to the blended. And there were so many things I've thought I was going to talk about that I did not maybe I have, to, I have to do two more episodes so there you go but I don't have when I think about feeling like connect I don't want to connect with people that like I said they're irrational and and I have a set of ethics that are important to me I have a particular morality that's important to me. And people may not know that because I've, you know, I'm not a, a churchgoer and I curse and I, I like my, my adult beverages, right? And I, those are the things that I grew up believing made you an immoral person. Isn't that crazy now that I think about it? Because you swear you're immoral. I don't steal, you know, I don't cheat on, uh, uh, somebody's, you know, spouse. That's what different. Those are my ethics, right? And it's so interesting. The very people who would judge my morality are the very people who have been adulterers. I know people who have been adulterers who then judge me for not going to church. Can it make it make sense, please? That's what they say now. Make it make sense. Because <laughs> it doesn't. So, so it's not just that it, it is, it's not just analytic, uh, analytically irrational, it's ethically irrational for me. I guess it, I don't know if that makes sense, but so how do I build that community? That is the piece I want in my story that I'll be writing about as I envision the life, my second half of life, life. And I don't know how to do that. I genuinely don't know how to do that. 
But I have been thinking, well, T, oh gosh, I've been thinking you need to do more TE. Oh, that's not. Nope. Yes. I'm confused <laughs> because what I worry is that I don't know if I need to do more TE than what no, I, um, I don't know. I'm not saying I need to be more TE as in dominant TE, but I need to make sure that I'm TE auxiliary. And I think in my world, because I'm struggling with that feeling point in the last 10 years, I've been trying to embrace the feeling side of me. And I'm very proud of that work. But what I'm realizing in the last few days, um, that that's coming at the sacrifice of my TE. So my eight needs the TE. Actually, my feeling function needs the TE on top of it. I'm like, I'm working like every, no matter how you slice it, I have to make sure I am creating a life that allows me to be who I am as an auxiliary TE. And I can't say that I have a social life that allows for that. This is, I, I feel like those two are now starting to come together because I felt like I was saying two separate things, but maybe they do, maybe, maybe they come together. Because I was like, how do I build community if I don't have a feeling? Well, you build it through the TE. You bring people around you that wants that part of, that want that part of you. And one of the articles I read this morning, they said INTJs need friends that will intellectually stimulate them and challenge them and inspire them, but where they can be fi vulnerable. Wow, I said that, that was a really really good point. And so the world that I'm in, that I was born into, the world that I keep being brought back to, which is something I don't understand what I need to do. Why? But the world I come from is not friendly to vulnerability. And I think that's the world in general. You know, otherwise you wouldn't have a Renee Brown talking about being vulnerable, embrace being vulnerable, right? I feel like it's heightened in my world, in my in my family slash community. So I retreat from that. Cause I have no desire to be an imposter in those spaces. But I also am not gonna sit there and uh be vulnerable to people who can't be vulnerable in them damn their damn selves. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't respect that. So, so I, I uh, there's just there are two things I want to say that I can close. I, I guess what I, I'd like to take away from this reflection for me to be at least, is to think about very similar to what I was complaining about maybe 15 minutes ago. There are 
parts of me that people want. Obviously at work. And it has never been a problem for me to give them that as long as I have the proper power associated with the thing that they want. Or I'm properly positioned in power. Because even when they wanted a certain thing from me, I wasn't in, I didn't have, I wasn't high on the power hierarchy. Oh my gosh. I wasn't high on the power hierarchy. However, I wasn't serving at a higher level either. So when I say properly positioned with power, that means I need to get out of a middle management position. That's what it means. But anyway, we will do that until we uh, figure that part out. But I don't know if I have to get out of the middle management position. I just need to be properly positioned. If I'm going to be a middle manager, fine. But then don't take from me those other those other tr- traits that are more executive level positions. That's all I'm asking you. Or... Well, I'm asking you, and now that I know that you don't know how to regulate yourself because you either feel entitled to it or you feel like you, I have to regulate it, and I will. I will. So anyway, um, but nonetheless, there are things about me that other people want. They want to be around it. They want to connect to it. And that feels so foreign. It feels so foreign to say because of the trauma that I've come from. And I don't want to open that up right now. I have to close. I'm wondering if it's worth, if I should come back and do the my second reflection. I don't know, but... I don't know. I... I do not want to open this up on this on this podcast, but I want to tell you that there is there is something here that is very that's that's quite significant to this conversation about me having a te personal life auxiliary te's personal life, and this is why I left home. I could never, I would have never put it, been able to put it into words as I'm going to do right now. I needed to put distance between me and my family. Because even when I'm in my city, you know, you only have to ask a couple of questions. And people have such a, a high regard for family. Very few, not many people really understand family trauma. Because <clears throat> even people who have experienced family trauma they've embraced it they've made a culture out of it it's just it just makes sense for them they're not trying to interrupt it they're not trying to heal from it I'm not trying to do any of that and so it is just the but the world I come from has been uh oppositional to my te yeah been oppositional to the TE and I'm thinking about, you know, things I did as a kid and, you know, uh, one of the, 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 
oh gosh, I guess a theory that I have found in the last month or so and I've shared with you is that we were all like, you have these quadras in the, uh, is it quadras? I don't think it's the quadras. I think this is the family and I just, tw- I did tweet this out. You have these families. It's either quadras or families. I can't remember, but we were born with the set of values. We were born with four cognitive functions. We value those cognitive functions, four of them. And how we move about determines that cognitive stack. My sister and I have the same cognitive functions. They're just in different order. That makes, wow, it's fascinating. And that TE part of me as an auxiliary it, it's, it almost feels as though I, and maybe this is why I thought I was an ENTJ, because I had to survive as an ENTJ in my family. I had to function like an ENTJ in order to survive. And as I began to become more of myself as an INTJ, right, seeing that, there was no place. And it's really, as you know, I say it's oppositional to the TE, but what it probably is oppositional to is the introverted intuition. Because the TE is not just TEing it. Oh, this is so good, y'all. Thank you. I know I'm over an hour. Listen, this is good. I got it. I just got it. Because the TE is acting out what the NI sees. And in a, in a trauma-based environment, the system doesn't want you to see the problem. It wants you to just be in it and act in it. So it wasn't the TE. It's the NI. And I think I talked about this when I first started this project. You know, NI Dobbs, you know, we are a threat. We are a threat to for environments that want to stay the same. We see things that people don't want us to see. And heaven help us if we have that TE function because we're going to put in some strategies and we're going to in strategies, we're going to put order to address the thing that the system doesn't want to be exposed because the system wants to maintain itself. So I think as I get ready to close, I think the two takeaways for me as I think about, you know, moving into a new year and Applying, like, what's the New Year's resolution? Because one of the things I said is I want to have more, I want to put more testosterone in my life. (laughs) I'm laughing because my sister is actually taking some kind of testosterone supplements. And this is the part I didn't tell you guys the other day because I'm like, what? And my mother defends her. She's a scientist and you're the social scientist and we, I support you. I'm going to support her. So I have to really find out what these supplements are supposed to do. So I'm not talking about taking uh, uh, testosterone supplements, but I need, I just need it. (laughs) You know, I don't want to say put more men in my life because I don't think men are the complete arbiters of testosterone, you know, but I just need it. And I'm not, this is nothing to do with sex. 
but it is, and I don't even know if testosterone is the right word. I just, uh, let me put it this way. Let me say it a different way. I need more masculine energy in my life. There it is. I need more masculine energy in my life. And so that's something that I'm prepared to break down as a New Year's resolution. Now, am I going to be able to check that off at the end of the year? I can find a way to make that measurable if that's important to check it off. But that's one thing I'm, I'm putting down. As I end this reflection, I wonder if another piece is... I don't know, you guys. This is going to be really hard. Because as I, I, I hit the pause button, I needed a minute to kind of get it together. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking building community around people who need my N-I-T-E, not just my T-E. And not my N-I-T-E, probably the N-I more than anything. So there is a, a project that I have been thinking about. I'm going to come into the next, uh, I want to talk about that with you guys in the next episode, but the only, and this project would satisfy that. It would help me to build community around my two functions. This is the challenge, though. It forever positions me in a leadership position. And I, while I need to be in a leadership position with work, I guess the question is, have I, have I avoided being in a leadership position in my personal life? And there's a, there's probably something here to this. Because maybe I just want to experience, I'm going to say being taken care of, but that just feels weird to just say. I don't know. Having a kid, being a parent would have required me to take care of someone consistently. You know, and I always have said, well, I just have my career, which is important to me, which which has and is important to me, has been and is important to me. But anyway, I don't know. These reflections lately have become very, very personal. <laughs> I was thinking this morning, it's getting too personal. But anyway, I have to do some more thinking about that. How to set up a resolution that is going to allow me to use the top two functions outside of work to build some kind of community because this is something I'm craving and I don't know how to do. So I'll be thinking about that. If you guys have some ideas, definitely let me know. But this whole walking through this whole TE, because I was really going to blame it on the environment. I really thought this was about being in a world that is chaotic and all of these things I want to say about the world, which could still be true. But it's about me finding the people who want me want the what I have to offer and I have no idea how to do that but I can say that's something I'm going to chew on it's something to think about I really this is another episode I don't have a nice little bow to put on it but it is what it is you guys if this reflection has any value for you <laughs> give it a heart if uh, me talking about the you know using that T.E will oh I don't even know where I've been in this reflection the TE as it relates to work uh being 
uh, refining that TE through schooling. Um, addressing the TE as it relates to power. Um, and then really, I end it with the TE as relating to that dominant introverted intuition. If this, and I, you guys, I did an episode in, uh, I think it was November of 2020 called Optimization and TE Recovery. And I talked about how my T has, TE has been on this recovery. And I've been thinking, it has. But as I end this reflection, I don't think it's about the TE as much as I did when I started this reflection. I really think it's about the N-I-T-E. It's about strengthening both of those together. So, we talked about blended, how did, I said, let me end it with blended learning. So, blended lifestyle, I have thought, I really thought, you guys, that the challenge of this reflection was going to be about T-E-F-I. I truly thought it. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a blended lifestyle around the T and the F-I. I don't think that's it at all. I don't think that's it at all. It's about those top two functions. And I don't even know if it's about blending as it as it is about oh God, acceptance. And this is a real resolution that I did years ago. Responsible self acceptance. And hot damn. And this, that was one, excuse me, you guys, but that was one of those year re- resolutions that I n- could never check off. Because every year I got better at knowing itself. But I was like, there's more to do. I actually believe this is it. It's really embracing those top two functions in my personal life. Because I have been so committed to making sure those top two functions are aligned at work. Now I have to build a lifestyle based on those top two functions. This isn't about blended learning, blended living. This is about conjoining. Making sure those two functions are together. Yep. Yep. And so if any of that connects to a conversation that you had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com on Twitter, yournidom1, Facebook, and YouTube, yournidom. Can you guys tell I have, I'm, I got a, I'm a little congested, so I, I probably sound horrible. But anyway, I have two more episodes to do today. And I got to get those pronouns done. <laughs> so uh, let me give you your assignment. Uh, within the last few episodes, I told you that uh, my dad had a saying that every problem has a solution. There's not one problem that can't be solved. And I said, I believe that. You know, there's a little piece of me as in, under critical race theory that would challenge that, you know, but honestly, I don't, I, I, I think, because I'm thinking about situ- stuff like the 
uh, isms like racism, sexism, heterosexism. Um, yeah, I, 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 it is a belief that I hold as well. Every problem can be solved. And once, but you have to know the problem. You've got to know what the problem is. Oftentimes we don't solve problems because we haven't properly defined the problem. We haven't solved it. We can't solve something that we don't understand it. And I think for me today in this reflection is really looking at NT. I've been thinking the problem is community, the world, my TEFI uh, axis is uh, and now that I understand that I have a responsibility to my top two functions they need to exist in the world as dominant at the top of the stack I need to build a life around those two functions not just a work not just a career but a personal life now that I can define the problem I can solve that I don't know how yet, but I feel very confident that it can be done. But because you heard me like, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to do that. Well, let's go back. Let's just think more about that. And so that's what I want to ask you. What is a problem that you haven't been able to solve? What is a problem that has existed for you for a while and you've not been able to solve it? It's not because you haven't tried. You tried and you tried and you tried. And you just haven't been able to solve it. What I'm going to ask you today to do what I did as you watched me. Go back and look at the problem. Don't solve it. Don't even try to solve it. Go back and define the problem. Make sure you have the, pro the, the problem properly defined. Write it out too. Write out that problem. Put it on paper. Make sure you have the right problem. Go back. And really challenge if you are understanding the problem at its core. That's your assignment. I'm not asking you to solve it. I'm just asking you to have a different relationship with it and to intellectually interrogate it. Put it on paper when you do. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. I have two more episodes. <laughs> I have two more episodes. I'll be right back. But it has been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.